show Sora is in Smash, Twitch had a massive leak, and Janet Garcia is here. everybody and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i'm andrea renee joined by miss Brittany brombacher hello and special guest janet garcia is here hey happy to be here we are so glad we finally got you on the show we were talking before we started recording about how you are one of our most requested guests yeah i'm so happy to hear that i love the fact that your community feels that way and that there's that crossover well, speaking of crossover, it's because you have your hands in a little bit of everything. I don't even think I can take the moniker of busiest lady in the business anymore because you are your own content creator for your own channel, Pentpixels. You work on MinMax. You work over at Kind of Funny. You write game guides. Is there something that you don't do? Yeah, girl. At this point, not really. And if there <laughs> is something it. I haven't done, I'm like, oh, when can I do that? I would love to do that. Yeah, I mean, you're on Patreon. I get all your little Patreon notifications all the time, and you're always super busy over there. I know you have a weekly YouTube show that you do. Like, damn, girl. That's all I can say. I was, I knew you did a lot, but when I started, like, really looking into it, I was like, you do so much. It's <laughs> yeah, so and then the funny thing is I'm like, oh, I want to do more. But then I sometimes I look at what I'm doing, and I'm like, I think I'm, I, I still want to do more, but I'm like, I think this is already a good suite of things like let's just make this <laughs> a little bit better and like more yeah. refined and get the processes down and then start you know throwing in extra stuff absolutely keep some me time for yourself don't throw it all into content creation there'll always be time to make more content uh, speaking of making content we do that over at patreon.com slash what's good games thank you to all of our supporters over there including our patreon producers chewy's godson alex regopolis david icolucci ferris atia justin foshi matthew goder and punk defied and welcome to our patreon community elizabeth sheridan and john motoverde greg butler and scott bechtel bechtel be be i don't know how to say your name scott just in the dark Brittany, it looks like we have some new podcast reviews. We do. We have Kabuki347 and Jesse DR. We say it every week. You probably already know what I'm going to say, friends, but I'm going to say it again. When you leave us those reviews on your preferred podcast platform, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, it really helps us out. It helps us in those algorithms. It helps people find our show. And the more people we have in the What's Good Games community, the better the world is. I'm talking out my ass right now. But we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I had to go to the wide shot because you've got chorizo. Look at, him, look so look at the little baby. Yes, Ubisoft sent this over and he's adorable. Also, like, don't judge my janky ass nails. Listen, it's <laughs> you rough. still haven't gotten it fixed. I love it. It's rough out here. It's fucking rough. No, I, I, I just need to like fucking get them off, but I'm too scared because it's gonna hurt too bad to pull them off. Um, but the problem soak with this em, guy's girl. Name, you gotta soak them. I don't know how to do that shit. Andrea? We'll connect offline. I'll teach you how to do it. It's real easy. Okay. I got you. Thank I you. I got you, boo. Thanks. Anyway. Um, but I'm glad that you showed off little chorizo because we're going to be talking about Far Cry 6 a little bit later on in the show. But for now, we have some news. And today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, Demon Slayer, and Felix Grey. But we'll tell you more about them later. For now, let's talk about this massive leak that has happened today 
on Twitch. Now, what's interesting about this is that it doesn't appear to be as malicious as some of the leaks that we've seen in the last couple of months have been. It seems like it's like a benevolent leak, which is kind of odd. But let me tell you guys about some of the details as reported by Video Game Chronicles. Um, they put an update in that Twitch has confirmed the leak is authentic. So the VGC was the first people to really kind of break this news earlier today. An anonymous hacker has claimed to leak the entirety of Twitch. So what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean exactly? <laughs> it's source code and user payout information. The user posted a 125 gigabyte torrent link to 4chan on Wednesday stating that the leak was intended to, quote, foster more disruption and competition in the online video streaming space because their community is a disgusting, toxic cesspool. Mm. Yeah, lies detected. Yeah. Well, I mean... I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, VGC can verify that the files mentioned on 4chan are publicly available to download as described by the anonymous hacker. Yikes! One anonymous company told VGC that the leaked data is legitimate, including the source code for the Amazon-owned streaming platform. So this was interesting. I saw a lot of people tweeting about this today. A lot of people giving their opinions on the list of streamers and the amount of money that they've made. So we saw a couple of different figures thrown around. One spreadsheet I saw listed September 2021 payouts. So that's kind of, you know, really, really wild that they have that kind of access to data because what we saw is creator payout reports going all the way back to 2019. Anybody who knows about... Twitch and how subscriptions work could probably do this napkin math on their own, to be frank, because mm -hmm. it's well known that Twitch is a 50-50 deal for most creators. Now, some of the upper echelon creators get a more favorable split from their subs, but you know a sub costs $4.99. So if somebody has, you know, X amount of subscribers, because a lot of people post their subscribers and their goals and things like that. You could probably do the math exactly how much money these people are making, which is a lot. Janet, what do you think about this leak? I mean, I think, oh, it's so complicated because I, I don't want to say I'm in favor of like leak of information like that being leaked because it is still like, you know, hacking things. And I think it can get very dangerous. And there are a lot of people rushing to change their passwords for good reason. But at the same time, I I do like the idea of talking more about the money side of things and talking about the ins and outs of Twitch, especially because Twitch in their terms of service specifically says that you cannot state how much money you make, which I think I always thought was odd. Uh, like you said, you can kind of easily do that napkin math and get the answers. But even the fact that content creators can't technically talk about how much they make, I think is a little bit of a problem. So I feel like this is sort of reminding us of information we already knew, like how much really big streamers make, um, how the, you know, biggest earners are largely men. Like these are, this is all conversations we've been having for a long time in the Twitch community, but I think bringing those a little bit more to the forefront in the context of other conversations we've been having about Twitch can be productive, even if it came from like a janky route to get to those conversations. <laughs> janky route, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. No, I agree with everything that you're saying. And even though, you know, there's always confidentiality agreements built into these types of contracts, people talk anyway, right? And I think it's good and healthy for those conversations to happen because as you mentioned, without surprise to anybody, most of the names on that list belong to a very specific demographic. And that's not shocking to anybody who is watching the platform, right? That's been a constant criticism, particularly in the last 12 months of Twitch as a platform that they need to do better to uplift more diverse voices on their platform. What I thought was 
really bad for Twitch on the heels of this leak was that they also have announced a new paid boosting feature, which I was like, ooh, guys, maybe not right now is not the best time. Maybe you should like roll back this whole feature. I don't know if you either of you saw the news about this feature, but I definitely don't feel like this is what they should be doing, especially being an Amazon-owned company. We all know Amazon is one of the richest companies in the world. Do they need to be kind of monetizing their smallest creators in this way? Absolutely not. So for people who are like, what are you talking about, Andrea? What is this new paid boost feature? So essentially, it's a feature that was designed to help small creators who have 250 viewers or less get a boost from their community as a paid product that would then put them as a recommended feed or potentially on the front page of Twitch so that they could get their stream in front of new eyeballs. Ew. And the way that it works is that their community would pay anywhere from like a dollar on up to put forward their favorite streamer in recommendations. And so essentially it's, the exact definition of pay to win. And I think that's the thing that just is rubbing people huh. the wrong way because this paid boosting feature exists on all of the uh, video platforms. YouTube has it. Twitter has it. I mean, heck, even Discord has it, right? So I think that on its face, this feature could be good, but the way that they're framing it and the way they're going about it, targeting these smaller creators who probably have audiences that don't have the deep pockets to actually pay to boost their creator is just, it's kind of gross is what it is. So and it's it, disappointing. Did this officially release or was this a leak? So no, so this is, uh, it was in beta for a while. Okay. And so I think that it's now officially launched, but let me double check. Okay. Yeah, that just My seems kind of like you said, the timing, it just seems kind of gross. Like, like you said, this isn't a new business model i mean i fucking think about facebook who back in the day i was like oh you have all these likes on your page cool now pay to reach them you paid to get that audience now you got to pay to get a hold of them anyway it just kind of comes down to like what we've been saying for a while feature different people on your homepage. If don't make them pay for this and i guess it's it's just not a good look right now especially with everything going on and again we've, we've kicked this horse so many times that it's died a million times over right but ew that's all i can say it's just like Ew. <laughs> I Ew. think it's tough because we all work on Twitch, right? All all three of us have have jobs that involve Twitch as a platform. And I love what Twitch can represent in terms of community. So Brittany, you had mentioned, you know, when we talked about this quote, this dis disgusting toxic cesspool. Those communities exist on Twitch without a doubt, but there's also really positive, amazing communities on mm -hmm. Twitch that are getting overshadowed by all of the really bad press and all of the negative things happening on the platform. And I think that those of us that are part of those positive communities, like the What's Good Games community, like the Kind of Funny community, want those communities to be the ones that are getting more attention and for the amazing uplifting that they do instead of all the grossness that's happening. Like we've been seeing with like the hate raids and all of the really disturbing things and with, you know, people going after creators of color and specifically, and it's just like one step forward, two steps back. Janet, do you see a way in which Twitch could come back from this hole they keep seem to be digging? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I don't want to play too much of like backseat, well, developer, really, because it's, you know, a, it's a 
it's a framework and a software at the end of the day. Um, but I, I, I feel like there's so many demands coming from the community and so few of them end up getting met. Like, I think we have seen nice steps from Twitch, uh, even in this past year with having like more tags and like adding in tags for like more different groups of people and different identities. That was really cool and that was really requested. But then of course it has that flip side of the coin where it's like now people also use these for evil and you always have to think about right. that stuff when you're rolling out any piece of technology, like even if you have good intentions for it, you have to think about, you're always playing a little bit of defense. And sometimes it feels like, cause I'm sure they are having these conversations. I like to think they are at least, but it feels like y'all didn't think of the other side of this coin and think of measures for it. And you're not, it almost feels like there's a slight lack of awareness because so many of these things are conversations that I am either having or I see streamers I follow having. And it's like very known in these communities, but then, it comes out with like, oh, this is Twitch's like new next thing. And it's like, this isn't what we asked for, or maybe is contradictory to other things we want to push. I think certainly boosting, um, I'm not a fan of it just because it, it does end up in that pay to win model. And I think a better thing they had, which they've tested this too, I don't know if they're going to meld the ideas or what they're going to do with it, but was using channel points to boost. And I think that's makes so much more sense. It still kind of trickles down to like a popularity contest, but a lot of Content creation is a popularity contest, so I feel like, but I feel like channel points, what I love about those for community building, it's, hey, you don't have to pay me any money. It's a fake currency that you get just from watching and from doing the raids, and you can make cool things happen. Like, you can redeem hydrations, you can, and the idea of like, oh, you can boost the stream, like, you have all these points you don't know what to use them for, you don't care about me making my dumb toad voice for like five minutes on stream, <laughs> you can boost like the stream. And I think that is so much better and feeds into the idea of us being together and you're here and you're watching me. And it's not just about like literally paying me money, even though, of course, I'm there to monetize as everyone else is. But it would lean so much more into community if they did something like that. And they did test it and they did roll it out with for some people like during this kind of beta. So I don't know if we'll see a combination of that in the future or them shift that way. But uh, those are sort of my feelings on, on the whole situation. Yeah, I think that there is a way for Twitch to to make this right, right? Like I think the net um the net kind of gain for this for Twitch is like overall, I think the platform is positive and does great things and is a wonderful tool and a wonderful place for gamers to share their passions and create communities and create friends. I think that gets lost when there are negative things that happen. And clearly this is a wake up call for people in leadership at Twitch to say, somebody was so disappointed in the way that we're running our platform that they decided to leak our most sensitive data onto the internet and say that we need to be better and do better. And so clearly we aren't doing good enough. We're not working fast enough. How do we throw money to fix this problem? Because if anybody has money to fix their problems, <laughs> it's Amazon. So I hope that they can look at this as a lesson and go, what do we need to do and how can we do it as quickly as possible to fix what's broken about the platform so that we can get back to creating healthy, passionate gaming communities? Yeah. 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 No, it, it's a whole thing. I mean, I just... I, it's not funny. Like Jana said, hacking is bad. But how the fuck does one hack into Twitch and just steal it? Like steal the code? I don't think this is a hack. I think this is an internal leak. I think oh. this is somebody on the inside who was disappointed with what's going on and got the information and then leaked it. Like, okay. I would be shocked if this was a hack. This to me smacks of 
an inside job. In my mind, I'm always like picture because I have such a it's funny because my boyfriend's like a software engineer. So he like actually knows like the ins and outs of like how things how some things work. And I have no idea what he does for a living. And I always feel like picture, which is so inaccurate, like just a watchdog scenario with this, which I know someone happened. I'm like, someone yeah. got a laptop <laughs> and just downloaded <laughs> the files outside of a warehouse. But um, it was probably a, not that. <laughs> but that's what that's what happens in my mind for these these kind of situations. Oh my god, same. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> oh, I just think of like DOS. It. Remember DOS from back in the day? Yeah. I just imagine like a hacking screen looks like that or has like the neon text that goes and like goes up the screen. And yeah, it's like the same file that the keyboard. Matrix was running. Like it's exactly. like, you know, yes, and they're like, yeah, they're yes. coming down the hallway. There's like a USB in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love exactly. it. Oh, the good old days of the internet. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next major story of the week. Brittany... Did you hear about Sora and Smash? I did hear. Now, Jana, I feel like you have some feelings about this story. Are you you're a Smash or Sora Kingdom Hearts person? Am I wrong? I like Smash fine. Um, I, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts person. I okay, I maybe would be okay. if like it's weird. Kingdom Hearts is so interesting because there's such a like a beloved fandom there and people that get so excited about this. And I saw so much joy for this announcement. But Kingdom Hearts is such a weird situation where I'll talk to Kingdom Hearts fans and I'm like, oh, well, should I play it? And they're like, oh, no, don't play it. It's awful. (laughs) So it's like (laughs) they lovingly hate their own favorite thing. They're like, oh, I love it, but I wouldn't. Oh, don't play the games, though. Because, you know, it has like classically anyone that knows like has been in the video game space knows that Kingdom Hearts is infamous for a wonky, weird, disconnected story oh, with like a million man. games tied in. It's just like they're like, and you know what? Titles. Just, yeah, just 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 you'll be fine without it. Um, but I, I think this is like a really cool inclusion and definitely something that saw so much fanfare. It's like maybe it might be the only thing they could have announced that people were like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, this is good. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about it. And to quote one Alexa Ray Korea, who was our like biggest Kingdom Hearts person who's written books about Kingdom Hearts. She says, quote, don't be like me. So I always think about that and I stay far away from Kingdom Hearts. So this comes from IGN. (laughs) Smash Bros. Ultimate's final DLC character is Sora from Kingdom Hearts. So Super Smash Bros. Ultimate last ever DLC character will be Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Sora will be added to the game on October 18th, will cost $5.99 USD as a standalone and is part of the Fighter's Pass Volume 2. Sakurai says Sora's controls are relatively straightforward, but he will remain distinct from other characters. He's built for airborne combat, but his weakness is weight. He weighs less than young Link or Isabel, which just kind of physically how, but meaning you'll want to avoid hits. As you'd expect, his basic attacks utilize the Keyblade, and several attacks are designed to hit enemies in the air, allowing you to begin air combos. You can also use Kingdom Hearts magic. Some are used for damage, while others are used as cosmetic-only taunts. I feel like, even though I don't give a shit about any of this, I know someone's in their car fapping to this information right now, so this is for you. The aim is for Sora to control as much as possible like he did in the original Kingdom Hearts. Sora's base design is modeled on the original Kingdom Hearts game, but his other costumes reference others' other games in Kingdom Hearts series. He will include English and Japanese voiceover options. And Sora gets a new stage based around the Hollow Bastion, the castle Maleficent inhabited Sora the end of Kingdom Hearts. Other nerd shit. Okay. So while this might mark the end of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Sakurai himself has made clear that he won't be quitting game development anytime soon. It will be very interesting to see what he has coming up next. Other Smash announcements included Splatoon Mii Fighter costumes and a Doom Slayer Mii costume and the reveal that the mainline Kingdom Hearts series will come to Switch which as cloud games, I still want my Super Mario RPG characters to come to Smash. Clearly, it's not happening. Gino, Malo, rip in peace. I love y'all. 
Rip in peace. Porn went out for you. It's not happening. But this yeah, was. But there's so much in Smash, though. There's, was God. it 89 characters? I think more. if you include, like, the alternate <laughs> costumes. Is there more? No, I'm just like, more. Oh, like, you want more? I was like, yeah, until the game, shit. like, cannot run. The switch just overheats. <laughs> Until it just like <laughs> spontaneously combusts. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I used to play a lot of Smash and it was my like thing for a long time, but I just kind of fell off the wagon. But it has always been so fun to watch people and how hyped they are and their predictions for like who's going to be the final character. And I watched the uh, Smash, um, it was a live, a direct, if you will. And yeah, Sakurai was saving even when Iwata san was still alive, that when they ran their Smash polls, I believe it was six years ago, they said. Uh, Sora was the number one requested character. And I mean, I'm so out of tune with um, Kingdom Hearts. I had no idea. But it's an awesome way, I guess, to end the character DLC and a really good way to send it off, send the game off, air quotes here, and a good time maybe for Sakurai's on to take a break. Because damn, dude, do you ever sleep? I don't know how you do. But it was fun to watch. It was The hype was cool. The announcement was really neat. I liked how it kind of re- it referenced the original Smash reveal trailer where you had the little uh, Splatoon squid, what are they called, squid kids? I don't know their names. I don't, I'm not into the Splatoon universe here, but you get to see the fire logo like fade from their eyes. And it was just awesome and very hype. But uh, that's a lot of characters and I don't know if I'll, I'll pick it up. Jana, are you going to pick up Ultimate? Or are you still playing it? Or like what, what's your relationship right now with Ultimate? Yeah, I kind of similar to you. I was really into Smash at a point in my life um, on the GameCube Smash Bros. Melee. Like that was my thing. Yes. And to me, that's still the pinnacle, um, which I feel like puts me sometimes in an odd camp of like people that are too into Melee and like, it's, it's not that deep, but I just still love the feel of that game more than anything else. Um, and I always play like really casually with like all the, the items on and everything. And I feel like ultimate it, the feels not quite there for me. And then also there like some of the items I'm not a fan of. And I know you can like toggle some on and off, but mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well now I'm like kind of building it out myself. Like I like the simplicity of what Melee gave me. But that being said, it's so cool that ultimate has so much packed into it and i absolutely picked it up when it had come out um i didn't stick around for like the fighter packs just because um, i'm not the biggest fan of dlc most of the time and then also i'm i kind of feel like i'm good on fighters like there's so many even that were available at the jump like i still have my like three or four go-to fighters and i don't really change it up too much other than that like i'll go with um i think zero suit samus is one that i use a lot um Zelda, well, not, well, Sheik, because, you know, I was thinking back in the day, was Zelda, you had to down B, but now it's just, you can just pick Sheik and you're done. Um, Those are probably some of my go-tos. Kirby for fun. Like, it's it's very much a casual party game for me, but as a kid, I put in insane hours. And I I think in my head, I thought it was really good. And then I played, like, against people that are actually kind of good. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually not good at this game. Me and my brother are just evenly decent <laughs> like that, that's all it was but in my head i'm like wow we're having like these epic battles like my brother talks about all the time he's like oh if only like we knew where gaming would go and things he's like i could have been mewtwo king <laughs> but oh, in reality man. we weren't that good you know i had the same thing i always thought i was really good because i would play against level nine bots back in my day and one of the first dates i had with my now husband he his his main is ness and he always told me, he's like, I want to play you in Smash. I want to play you in Smash. Before we had even, like, really hung out in person that much. And I'm like, yeah, you're on, bitch. I thought I was, like, king to a shit mountain with my boy Link. Oh, boy. Oh, no. He put me right in my place. And it was at that moment, Janet, that I realized how semi-decent I really was. Yeah, that's always a jarring moment in any game. Like, I had that in <laughs> Mario Kart because, like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I was like, oh, let me go online. Like, just get more game out of it. I'm like, these people online can, like play like the people that go online i'm like no it's too much like y'all are doing 
you're playing a different game than me. Like I just came here to be Isabel in my little motorcycle and like do a cute little spin and like I barely drift and I don't know the shortcuts even though I've been playing for like six years. So, um, but yeah, I think Smash is just so jammed pack and I'm so curious as to what is next. And I know a lot of people, and I do think Sakurai should take a break, but a lot of people are like, oh, let's just enjoy this moment. I'm like, now nah, I always got to think of the content, like what's Same. coming down the pipe. So I'm wondering if they're going to, if this is like, if Smash is kind of done, because like, where do you go from here? Like Ultimate just did so much. Yeah, that's it, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. I I was never a Smash player, and it's just because it was just one more fighting game that I'd have to learn. Like Mortal Kombat was my my fighting game of choice um, from SNES on up, and I love watching this like from the periphery because I have no investment in it. But I'm so glad that you mentioned that like Sakurai needs a break. I mean. <laughs> If you talk about how you have this own experience thinking that you're a great Smash player, but like then you like see what people who like dedicate their lives to playing Smash play like, I just refer you back to the fact that the creator himself couldn't even make it through his demo without failing. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. But yeah, you it's, know, it's an interesting thought because if you look at the collaboration with Smash, I mean, you have characters from all sorts of development studios. You have Joker, you have Daddy Sephiroth, you have Cloud, now you have Sora, Disney, you got Minecraft, you got Banjo. So yeah, like where do they go from here? Unless they just do the next thing where the next Switch hardware, or excuse me, Nintendo hardware that comes out, they just kind of like port it over. But then what? Do you add more characters? Do you keep freaking going until you have like 150 fucking Smash characters to choose from? Who could say? Who knows? Maybe by then Nintendo will have their online infrastructure figured out and it'll be smooth sailing, but I digress. Um... Either way, Smash is a fun one. I love going to, used to love going to Evo in Vegas and watching the Smash tournaments for hours and hours on end. That was just so much fun, so much energy. And I'm hoping to get back to that, you know, as soon as the world kind of stops being on fire. Also, I haven't haven't stopped thinking about, you know, you reading from this IGN article where they mentioned that Sora is lighter than Isabel. Like I've been, I have, I'm not joking. I have like over under six tabs pulled up of trying to find out like, what is (laughs) his weight? Like apparently he's really short. And I'm okay. like, why is he so light? Or is Isabel weird? Is Isabel just like really dense? Is she like made oh, of like iron or something? I have an answer for you, Janet, because I I looked. There was I think it was during the video or it was an article or a, an interview. Sakurai said it's not so much to do with like his actual height, but like the the light energy about him or something oh. along those lines. Yeah, it's kind of like a little cop. Is out. Sora Cute. nicer than Isabel? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know her. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of them. I can maybe Isabel from Animal Crossing. No, I know. I was being silly. I don't know Sora. I don't know what oh. kind of person. Oh, like Sora personally, is. it's like yeah, oh, I, I met him once at a party. Total snob, you know. Yeah, the asshole carrying that keyblade around, smashing all my dishes, knocking all my photos off the wall. I don't know Sora, um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <sighs> yeah, I was just excited that people were excited. Like I had made a tweet about the fact that. You know that that Sora got announced, and I was like, "Did all the boys and girls lose their minds at oh, Sora yeah. being announced?" And for the most part, everybody in my feed was like, "I'm dying over here. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever." And then one person was like, "Why you got to shit on everybody's happiness?" And I was like, "What, what are you talking? <laughs> what are you talking about?" <laughs> I honestly, was, it was like a legitimately honest question. Like, Smash is not my thing. I'm. I've been very open. The kind of funny kids have tried many times to rope me into their smash shenanigans. And I firmly say no, because they all know how much of a 
sore loser I am. And I would not do well in a smash scenario with those guys. No. That's fair. No, thanks. That is very fair. Uh, have they tried to rope you in, Janet? Have you played yet? No, I have not played them? against them. I imagine it'd be it'd go terribly because I feel, you know, like just the other day, uh, it might have been yesterday, Blessing and Andy were in that like Nickelodeon All-Stars tournament. Mm. And like, I think like Andy went up against like a literal pro player and I'm like, and, and didn't immediately die. Like he did lose, but I'm just like, y'all are on some other stuff. Like I am very much like you, if you played with me and didn't know it was me and, and not in a mean way, but you, you could probably think that I was like, a very much more like you know quote unquote normie for lack of a better term where it's like oh we're at a family gathering and like just I could just be your cousin with the controller like I'm very much like I don't know I'm Kirby I drop down I, I try to suck you up and like spit you out there and then fly back like we're not doing intense strategies like I'm here to find the hammer and try to hit you that's it like that's that my hammer. thing also Glorious. people never want to play with items on too like I'm pretty sure uh, kind of funny guys like did stream some uh, smash not too long ago and i'm pretty sure they had items off to me that's the most fun and like i think it's totally valid to play in a really serious way if you're excited about that but like what i liked about smash is that it was like goofy fun and you know you have like yeah. these crazy items and you could like totally win without being the better player in a match because that the stages like the wonky stages and the items to me are part of the chaos that makes that made me fall in love with smash i, I never looked at this and was like Oh, let's, it's time for like the hardcore strats. I, I felt like that's yeah. the vibe I get from so many other fighting games. But Smash is a place where you can grab a beehive and throw a bunch of bees at someone. And that's beautiful, you know? I I'm with you. I love the items. So my husband also played Smash very competitively for a while. And yeah, like the cool kids don't play with items. I'm like, where are the Pokeballs? We're like the sabers. Like, that's what's fun about it. And I'm with you, Janet. That's why I also fell in love with it. But, you know, some people take some shit way too seriously. Yeah. I'm like, where's Charizard? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew, I think you'd have fun with Smash. Like, just don't feel bad. If I you think lose. so, too. Just play with us because we ac we accidentally suck. So we'll fall off the ledge. We'll let you like have a few W's under your belt and then we'll come in. And we'll oh, get thanks. You. I appreciate that. We always play with the items on. Um, yeah. I think that's an interesting point that you bring up about the kind of divide between the general Smash market and people who love Smash for what it is and then the really tiny sliver of the hyper-competitive Smash market who is just like, we're going to treat this like every other game in the FGC and it's just, yeah. it, it's in, it, it stands alone, obviously. And it's clearly got like a grassroots movement around it and it always has had a community around it. Um, but it will be interesting to see where does Smash go from here? Who knows? We probably won't get Smash if we get another one for quite some time. But Nintendo did indicate that we're going to be getting more from another major franchise that has had an incredible 18 months. Animal Crossing New Horizons is getting their own direct next week mm. on October 15th. Is it going to bring you back? Yes, that's next week. You know, I picked up my Switch. And I put it in the nursery next to my pumping chair, also where I, you know, nurse Charlie, and I still haven't turned it on. <laughs> when you started <laughs> that I story, I knew closer. I was going to get disappointed when you got to the end, but I was still, like, really <laughs> optimistic. I was like, and? <laughs> like, you it's led me down a hallway a just month. to shoot me, and I'm like, you're definitely going to turn, like, you're going to pull a gun out right now. But I was still like, let's go down the dark hallway. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I 
I want to play on my Switch. I want to play Diablo 2 Resurrected on my Switch. I want to play Boyfriend Dungeon. There's like all of these games I'm ready to play on my Switch. And going into decorating mode for the upcoming holidays between Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, like I have a fuck ton of stuff in my storage in Animal Crossing just waiting for this time of year to decorate. And they, of course, put out some new items as well. And I just haven't done it yet and I don't know if it's because I just like hit my cap I think I'm over 750 hours now in Animal Crossing that's a lot girl I'm so proud of you yeah no I did my time like I spent many many hours in Animal Crossing (laughs) um and I I don't think that I'm done with it if they give me some really compelling content there's just been some quality of life things with the game that I'm still hung up on, you know? So like for me, the increase to the storage space was huge. The increase to the customized slots was game changing, but they still have some hangups, right? Like I still feel like the RNG nature of the game feels punitive. And a lot of other people feel the same way that I do. This idea that I can go through the entire month of December and only get like two of the like over dozen holiday themed recipes that you need to build customized decor, it's frustrating, right? Like it's what makes it different as an RPG. If you could even call it an RPG, it's more of like a sim game, right? Um, Is that you can't grind for certain things in the game. Like no matter how much grinding I do, there's just no way for me to guarantee I'm going to get specific recipes to make specific decor items. And then it forces me to go into an off-market system like Nookazon. And don't get me wrong. I've spent, you know, a lot of time on Nookazon trading things. But some of the most coveted items are just outlandish prices. And I'm not going to give somebody 100000 miles worth of nook you know of uh tickets to get like one item and i think i just get frustrated because i love that game so much and i spent so much time in it and then i just get triggered when i get back to it and i'm like oh yeah all of the things that really bothered me after playing hundreds and hundreds of hours of this game are still there and nintendo has more than enough resources to fix some of those things and they still aren't fixing them and i'm hoping that this direct is partially, hey, we've got new content coming, and partially, hey, we've got some fixes coming. Mm-hmm. But I know that Nintendo Directs don't <clears throat> technically do a lot of like game fixes and patch notes in their directs, so we'll see. How many um, how many hours did you spend, Janet, in Animal Crossing, if any? I spent a lot of time in Animal Crossing. I'm still in Animal Crossing, actually. I think I'm... Uh, um, can we, um, can we uh, talk about this? Talk for a second about, <laughs> about this? Yeah. And, this is one of my... I, so Janet is holding for people listening on podcast janet is holding a giant face of one tom nook as a pillow it looks plushy and soft it's really good he looks he's got sad eyes he's always a little bit sad um it's the it's the the qualms of being a businessman you know it's like it's a lot running your own thing even though he gets a lot of flack for it uh some of it rightfully so but (laughs) yes and i do want to give a shout out to uh, the overalls that you're wearing as well oh yeah also they tom also nook. have tom nook on now i feel like people are gonna well. think i'm a tom nook fan, but i mean he does have interest-free loans and i feel like in today's market <laughs> that can't go uncomplimented i know we all want to be like oh he, exactly he does overcharge for a lot of See? stuff though like the amount mm-hmm. where it's like oh congratulations would you like to upgrade again like what what's going yeah. on here for this small room 
why aren't they all the same size? I don't, I have questions, but um, I put a lot of hours in. I'm going to guess like three or 400, um, which I thought was a lot, but like, oh my God, seven, that's that's wild. But I, I play really regularly, but slowly. Um, so I, I do like a weekly stream at this point because I've been trying to finish my island slowly for like a year. Um, so, and I'm still like working on it. I'm almost done. I'd like to finish by this year so I could just swap it out for a different game just because I feel like I would like to play more stuff that isn't just Animal Crossing, but I've loved my time. That being said, you're totally right with so many complaints. And like, I feel like it's impossible to be playing for this long and not be like, there are some things that could be fixed. Um, like I can think of one to two dozen immediately. And it, it really sucks because I love the game. And um, people will ask me like, oh, you're still playing? Like, you know, it's been a few months. Like, what have I missed? I'm sure I've missed a lot. I'm like, you haven't really missed anything because they haven't really done a lot. And even some of the stuff they've added, like a few things are definitely, I'm sure, stuff that fans wanted, like the ability to sit on the ground with your villagers. Very cute. But it's like, where is like putting rugs outdoors? Where is maybe the option to like have additional buildings or where is the new content? Why should I be coming back? Like, I feel like with Animal Crossing, I am very much forced to make my own fun at a certain point. Like if you've already done the main kind of campaign where, you know, you get kicking a slider on your island, if you've already done maybe the museum and like you've built out like the aquarium and everything. And then also there's like little petty things that just feel like to to finish this without just time traveling or like cheating to hell, I need to play all the time. Like even something as simple as Red coming to your island for the art. He's never there. What, am I going to quit my job and wait for this man to show up and yes. slay this fake art? Um, <laughs> Thank you. So I do find that really and frustrating. And then he comes with the same bullshit. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, your statue of David. Like, that's it. One of the, one, the one that's, there's the fake one where he has the book and it's like the same thing over and over again. So, and, and you're totally right. I wish there were, what I would love to see, which we probably won't see, but I would love to see something geared more towards the really hardcore long-term fans. Because I get, I think the game does need a bit of grindiness to, that's part of it, right? Because it's like, all right, it's a sim game. It's a little monotonous and it's monotonous on purpose in some regards. But for me, as someone that's put in, you know, three, 400 hours, I don't need to craft the tools again or buy the tools. What if I just had a real golden tool that didn't break? Like you can have golden tools, but they still break. Like little things like that. Um, when you go like hunting for a new villager, like the fact that you can't just string together the flights and you have to go back and forth from the airport, like little stuff where it just feels like there is a community here that I feel like deserves better to be frank and we're just not getting it. And I'm just like, oh, there's so much opportunity with like how modern games are for this to be like the sim to end all sims. Um, and I'm like, why don't you want that? Which I'm sure they do want the game to be great. I, oh. I don't want to discount their work and thoughts, but it just feels a like Andrea's so preaching. much is missed. Yeah, I was going to say to channel Brittany, like preach, <laughs> preach. You're just, you're, you're preaching the gospel, the good word right now. Yeah, I I mean, the answer to your question is that Nintendo is going to do Nintendo yeah. and they'll do whatever they want, whatever their prerogative is. And it's rare that you get those Sakurai smash moments where he's like, we really wanted to listen and have Sakurai work on Animal Crossing. what you want. <laughs> Sakurai, take a break from the very hostile community of Smash and come over to the almost as hostile community Add of Animal Crossing Animal decorators. Cross. It'll be great. We'll do Animal Crossing <laughs> boxing rings. Get Isabelle against Tom Nook. See who wins. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I... I love this game and it was my game that saved me in the pandemic. It really was my pandemic 
survival tool, this game. And because of that, I really formed a bond with it that I'm always going to remember. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat of like, this is the game that was like that comforting thing that I can just go to. And it's wild that a complaint as simple as I just want to put my rugs outside (laughs) is like so game breaking, right? But you go, what on the back end of your code is not making that a possibility. Like, how do I have the ability to take this item, this piece of art that I can put inside this really tiny set of parameters in the game world, but I can't put in the much bigger parameters of the rest of the game world, especially when it's a very regimented grid structure, right? I just, uh, anyway. I, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole being like, why can't I fuck up? Put my rugs outside. <laughs> they're like, rugs don't go outside. They're for inside. But even the rugs aside, there's so many little things. Or like, That's not true. There's outdoor rugs. That's a whole market You for know them. what? Yeah, you're right. Because actually I have a like an outdoor rug thing. It's grass, though. So I forget that it's a rug on like my patio. Well, not my patio, my balcony. So you're right. I take it back. You go to Home Depot. There's outdoor rugs. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes. Just give us outdoor rugs, Nintendo. Come on. Uh, oh, that was a good laugh. Oh, I could, I'm could. i definitely going to talk more about Animal <clears> Crossing <throat> next week. But as a fellow you know, Animal Crossing player, I had to It was a therapy session. What you think. Yeah. I, I think like the last question I would want about Animal Crossing from you is, realistically, not like Tim Getty's Get Hype Gatorade moment, but like realistically, what do you want to hear from the direct next week. I want to hear, obviously, about Brewster, which we already know we're going to hear about. Um, and I want to hear what their content plan is going forward and what is really dictating that content plan. Because I feel like they clearly have something in mind, even if what they have in mind is we do not know. I know they would never be that transparent if they're like, we have no idea what we're doing with this. But I think one thing that frustrates me is how finicky the cadence has been for what's updated, what isn't updated, what can we expect from holidays. Is Sometimes it is the same. Sometimes the same, but a little bit different. You know, what? what's the precedent here and, like, what's your vision for this game? Like, uh, any form of insight into that, I think, would be great just because that's sort of what's been lacking where it's like, are we going to get an update? It could be any day. It could be never. And I think that feeling's never good. And I think it's a feeling that's very familiar for Nintendo fans because it's how they are with a lot of their products and services and, and games but some type of direction would be really really awesome <laughs> some type of direction it is a direct <laughs> you know ah, where are we going no. where are we going no. i see what you did there uh, all right well i guess we'll just have to wait and see what we're gonna get Brittany. you added a little something something I did. to the show notes before our, our first break. What do you get? I got, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, which is going to be October 7th. So before this podcast comes out, we are getting the first trailer for Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Raccoon City, not Raccoon. What is a Raccoon? Who could say? Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. I am very, very, very excited about this movie. I've been talking in it for a while now. And we got some footage, like a brief second of one of the dogs, the zombified dogs. We got a second of Lisa Trevor holding a finger up to her many faces and giving the shh symbol and i just want to talk about it because i'm really excited that's all that's all i got is if you are excited for this movie and you haven't seen the trailer yet it's out good for you i still have to wait a day but you do not you can hop on the internet and watch it and life will be good janet are you a resident evil fan yeah i am i'm kind of a new fan so i'm in that weird camp of like the people that barely got on and now we're like 
randomly playing the remakes they decide to make sometimes. Um, So I came in with Resident Evil 7. So I'm like a modern era fan. And then I played RE2 Remake. Um, I missed RE3 Remake. I might go back and play that because I also heard it's pretty short. And uh, I did Village. So I'm like in the modern era, potentially going back. I've like played a tiny sliver of four. And I don't know what I'm going to do with that because there's that rumor that they'll remake it for like regular consoles. I know they're doing the VR thing, but that's my light history with Resident Evil. And I've had a blast. I think as a franchise, there have definitely been up and down games in years from what I hear from fans. So it's kind of nice coming in in this like revitalized era where like all I get is like pretty good. Like I think of the games that I have played, those three titles, Village is like the worst of those. And Village is still like really enjoyable. So I'm like, okay, that's that's a pretty good spot to be at. And I'm excited to see um, more from the future. I always prefer like the new projects they do rather than going back and remaking older stuff just because I'm oh, I always favor the new for anybody. And I like that they seem to have a pretty nice cadence between, okay, here's like continuing the franchise and then also going back and sort of remaking these games that people grew up with and loved. And I played a bit of one as a kid too, or at least I watched some of it. Um, my brother had it, we had it on the GameCube. And I remember being scared to all hell about that game. And I'm like, I can't do it. I think there's like a there's I think that's the one with the dogs, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Vivid, yeah. vivid memories. Oh, and yeah. I but I love that moment. I think that was No, thank you. That was like one of the first times in a game that I can remember, like growing up, where I was like, Oh, it's like I love isn't this is what I love about games where you can like try something and you can see if the developers thought what you were thinking. And it's so fun when they totally anticipate it. So like me and my brother were playing and he's like, I wonder what happens if I just left. And I feel like we've all had that question in in horror stuff. And then you do and you just get torn to pieces. And it's so (laughs) horrific and awful, but smart and clever and scary. Um, I really like little details like that. Um, And I've really enjoyed Resident Evil as like a horrifying walking simulator with like a gun that isn't too hard to shoot. Oh, God, Janet, I always liked you. But I like oh, you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so much more right now. Yay! Cool. Okay. Oh, look at what? look at this. I just need to take a quick aside. Oh, my husband very kindly brought me some more wine. Ooh. Look who it is. And oh, it's oh the my gosh. It's a baby. <laughs> Those eyes. Baby cameo. Hi. Ask honey. Charlie what she thinks about Resident Evil. Charlie, what do you think about Resident Evil? Jesus, fuck that game. Oh, speechless. A scathing review. She's not, not into it. <laughs> Oh, she's so cute, the Charlie cameo. Um, but anyway, yeah, this movie comes out the day of the week of Thanksgiving. Excuse me. So we're all gonna have something to be extra thankful for that week. Very excited. November twenty fourth. Let's go. <laughs> I was gonna show the teaser trailer, and then I remember that Capcom always yeah no uh, content IDs our channel whenever we show any of their stuff. Um, so I was like, nope, just kidding. So there is a teaser, uh, but as Brittany mentioned, the real full thing is coming out tomorrow. So you can just, you know, watch the uh, watch the full trailer. Ah. And um, hopefully you'll have a, a Brittany moment and you'll tell us about it on Twitter. I'm sure you will. Tweet to us at what's good underscore games. And let us know how it made you feel. Oh, warm and fuzzy baby girl. Was, all you know, tingly. Really vivid description. Tingly in all the right places. <laughs> Those crevices. Ooh. Oh, we're getting a little too detailed. I think we should cut. I think we should cut. On that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back. 
everybody is the second segment of the what's good games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we've been to but first i want to let you know that this episode of what's good games is brought to you by HelloFresh. Have you thought about what you're having for dinner tonight? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, from vegetarian meals and calorie-smart choices to extra-special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Listen, if me and my husband can both make them, then you can do it too. Get better value with HelloFresh because they're over 30% cheaper than shopping at the grocery store with pre-portioned ingredients that ensure you won't spend money on excess food that goes in the trash. We've all been there where you buy the fruits and vegetables that you swear you're going to eat that week and then they end up in the trash the next week, just like always. But HelloFresh gives you the flexibility that you need to customize your orders. You can do it on the app within minutes and you can change your delivery day food preferences and plant size or skip a week whenever you need to. Britt and I have both been big fans of HelloFresh. We've been on this HelloFresh train for quite a while. And I have to say, if you've been holding out, now is the time because they have a great offer. And if you haven't tried these firecracker meatballs, they are delish. Oh, right, oh. so good. Go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 14 and use code What's Good 14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. You can try America's number one meal kit for yourself by going to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 14 and use the code What's Good 14 so they know that What's Good Game sent you. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaba, the Hinokami Chronicles. Become the blade that destroys demons. Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaba, the Hinokami Chronicles, launches October 15th on PS5, PS4, Xbox, and Steam. Tanjiro, a kind-hearted boy who sells charcoal for a living, comes home to find his family murdered and his sister Nezuko transformed into a demon. Though devastated from this tragedy, he resolves to become a demon slayer to restore Nezuko's humanity and kill the demon that massacred his family. Based on the Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaba anime and the box office hit Mugen Train arc, Adventure Mode allows you to relive the memorable moments and thrilling battles. Versus Mode allows you to choose any combination of two characters to battle. With simple controls and exhilarating gameplay, rise up to become the strongest of the Demon Slayers. Master the multitude of spectacular skills of a wide roster of characters from the Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaba anime. Pre-order Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaba, The Hinokami Chronicles to unlock two bonus characters and get early access to the game. To pre-order, go to bit.ly slash dshcwgg. If that's too much for you to remember, we've included the link in our show notes. Where do we begin with this week's hands-on? Oh, cry! I feel... Oh, you know, that's what I was going to say. Let, let me get another hit of that chorizo. Let me see. Okay, him. let me show you the good boy. He's so very cute. He has a little oh, wrench. Yeah, he has his he little is. snake. Yeah, they're my janky ass nails making an appearance. He is very cute. I love him. He is my new friend. Oh, adorable. Who doesn't love a good pupper? All right, so both of you ladies have played Far Cry 6. Janet, you said that you're about 20-ish hours in, and Britt, you're just scratching the surface. You just dip in your toes in. Yeah, so obviously, Andrew and I both played, you know, the few hours from the preview event, and so I haven't progressed any further than I had in that preview event. So Janet is by far the one who was the furthest in the game. 
So lay it on us, baby girl. Okay. Sure. So before we get started, I want to make sure that everybody knows that Ubisoft provided us with codes for the game. So thank you to our friends at Ubisoft for giving us access. And Janet, what have you thought so far about your time in Far Cry 6? Um, I also measured my time as, am I farther than the preview event? So I'm glad I'm not the only one that did that, where I'm like, okay, now I know I'm really making progress. Um, Overall, I've been enjoying it. I will say occasionally my enjoyment gets diminished as like it's up and down for me because I think so much of the game is structurally repetitive. You're going in, at least the campaign especially, you're going in and you're taking out these encampments and you know sometimes it's like uh, an outpost, sometimes it's like a building that was taken over by soldiers. Occasionally it's a little bit more varied than that, but that's the general loop. So I think after a while, like hours and hours of doing it, it does start to wear thin at times, but then there's usually something fortunately that has been able to pull me back in. And now I'm at that home stretch where I'm like, I feel like I am done. Like, I feel like I've had my time and they're like, but you have like eight to 10 hours left. And that's been my only big gameplay gripe with it. It's just, it's a little bit bloated in certain points because I think it has some fun ideas with how you can sort of use your camera and like flag things down. I think the gunplay feels good. There is a variety of weapons to experiment. They give you a lot of tools for traversal, which is great because the map is huge, but it makes it, you know, nav- able where you can navigate it. Um, and there actually are some occasional story beats that I found myself really invested in, which sort of surprised me because I kind of went into this thinking, okay, well, the story will probably just be like, all right. And overall, it might still be the case, but I think there's these really nice high points that it hits that I wasn't expecting it to get to. Um, but yeah, I would say it's it's fun, but it is very basic, which I know is classic Far Cry, but it's my first Far Cry game. So um, yeah, I, I think I'm walking away from this one feeling like I might hit up their next one, but I also am ready for a break because it is a lot of the same if you're just running through the campaign. I think if you take it very slow and sort of, you know, putts around with the different things that you want to check out, like there's fishing in this game, there's racing, there's like so many things to do that I think it does, it, it benefits from you taking it slowly so that you don't kind of see the seams of it a little bit too much. I think having played it so much in one chunk, I'm like, okay, I'm once again in a room and the poison is filling and I have to find my way out convenient vent convenient vent and it kind of i start to um, see how it sort of repeats in certain places when i when you go through it in one big chunk got it are you feeling kind of pressure to get through it quickly because you're reviewing it and i ask this because i think we all kind of feel afflicted by this at points right yeah uh definitely yeah. i think um for me and i did the kind of funny's review i'm not going to do a, a formal review on my outlet because i usually prefer to get that up at embargo and then i kind of i since I got the code through kind of funny, I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of funny content specifically and it, whatever shows I'm on. Um, so, but I, but the thing is, I do that with all games at this point, which maybe is like horrifying for some people to hear, but I'm constantly either, I decide like whether or not I'm going to go for it in the window that's relevant. And if I decide I'm not going to, then I just kind of get around to it when I find the time. So like an example of that is I played like four hours of Hitman in January to like test it out for my... Um, series I do on Fridays on my Twitch channel where it's like best of 2021 watch and we're seeing what just came out. What do we think about it? Two or four hours of, of hands on time. I put that game down. And I came back like eight months later and I'm like, I finished it and it was cool. But I think even if I had decided to run the table with Hitman, I wouldn't have felt that way. So I do think that mm. it it is I am made more aware of it because I am, you know, running the table with it and beelining it. But I'm like, well, I play a lot of games like that. Like, that's how I was with Animal Crossing. That's how I was with Deathloop. That's how I was with Chicory. Like, I think because it doesn't have like those really intensive highs throughout the entire thing, for me at least, 
I start to get a little bit fatigued because it's so much game. While if it was a shorter campaign, I feel like I wouldn't have had that takeaway. And I do think it's one of those situations where because it's a Ubisoft open world game, you kind of have to make a big campaign. But I'm like, I don't think y'all had the mechanical sauce to make it quite this long without having more differentiation. Um, But overall, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, And it's been a lot of silly jank as well like weird ai stuff um you know piles of enemies upon piles of enemies it's very gruesome looking too with the takedowns which if you're into it you're in for a treat if you're not maybe steer clear but i personally love like how the healing animation is like you snapping your finger back into place or like taking a spike out of your hand like it's very um leaning into the gore a bit but i find that kind of enjoyable um with this so that's kind of been my experience with it so far yeah, I relate to a lot of a lot of what you've said. So my first Far Cry was Far Cry Five, and then I've played that, and then Far Cry New Dawn, specifically because there was co-op integrated into it. And I don't know if Far Cry is the kind of game that I could play by myself, and I don't think it could hold my attention because, like you said, there is just so much there. I mean, it's a Ubisoft open world game, and when you play these games, I feel like you have to have some sort of self control and self regulation. Like, okay, I'm gonna allow myself three side quests before I hop back into a main quest because I agree I think it's those main quests that if they're going to pique your interest I feel like you're going to find them in those main stories right and what my fault is and my problem is I continually find myself doing the side shit or exploring and trying to take down every outpost and before I know it I have no investment in the main story anymore because I forgot what the hell is happening and I'm just so focused on clearing this fog of war in this particular area so I think that's something that I need to be really conscious of when I play these games and we just start. We just got to unlocking co-op in Far Cry 6, and you do that after you um, do the – it's called Do or Die, I believe, is the mission. It took us, like, maybe 45 minutes to an hour to get there. But um, when I demoed it during the preview event, I tried to spend a lot of time doing some of the side stuff as much as I could because I wanted to get a feel of how it felt. And, yeah, like you said, it, and a lot of people have said this. It feels just like a Far Cry, and I've only played one other – well, two other, I guess – Far Cries in my day, and it feels like more of the same. And I think – I'm okay with that. I think I know what to expect from Far Cry. Um, and I know a lot of folks were or have been disappointed with the story beats and how some of those moments are handled. And um, I think what I just keep telling myself is it's a Far Cry game. Like one moment you're going to have this super serious story beat where like some real emotional shit's going to happen. And the next moment you're going to have a crocodile friend named Guapo in a t-shirt who's going to be eating people because you told him to do so. So it's kind of like that. I guess you got to manage your expectations going into it. But because this is your first Far Cry, Janet, like how has that hit you? Like the story beats and then the silliness. Um, I guess it's kind of unique in the sense that I feel like games either go for one or the other to at least some degree. Like I'm trying to think of other games that tell gruesome or intensive stories that are like have some type of like government angle or political angle and like with call of duty or something with those campaigns it's like call of duty is there for like the goofy moments it's like you know very much like a serious shooter so i guess it's a little bit at odds with itself i'm kind of okay with it in the sense that that's how a lot of games can end up being and that's sort of like what they're going for like it would be like to make it not at odds with itself it wouldn't be able to be far cry and i'm sure you could maybe argue that like maybe that means these games aren't like that well constructed in terms of stitching those two ideas together or maybe those two ideas shouldn't be stitched together i don't really know i mean i think that's a fair question like a matter of taste um for me i don't personally mind it because i think the gameplay they're kind of like two separate things like the gameplay stands on its own pretty well and is fun there are some things i wish it had like the ability to create loadouts um they encourage you so much to change up what you're doing but they 
there's a few extra steps to do it where I'm like, uh, I'm just going to go with whatever bullets I have in this gun. And if it's harder, it's harder. If it's not, it's not. Um, but yeah, there are those moments of the story where like sometimes it's just run of the mill. And occasionally it's really like some really interesting little speeches from like political figureheads. And like they touch on like these interesting themes at times. But then you're back to riding like a horse that's painted like a zebra. And it's like you kind of just got to be OK with that. Um, and that kind of is what it is. I think it's inherently a little limiting and it makes it so that you can't I think fully get as invested because it's like so goofy. Um, but it's hit me fine. It's been interesting seeing like, what is this formula and what is this kind of game? And, and part of me is like, I wonder if maybe this kind of game just isn't exactly my jam. Cause I know a lot of people refer to like the Far Cry formula as like comfort food, as like the thing that they just really enjoy partaking in. And for me, I feel like when a campaign is this long and a world is this big, I want it to be a little bit more than just comfort food for me. Like I think of some of my favorite open world games like Breath of the Wild or my favorite games that I've poured hundreds of hours to like Animal Crossing or even like Platinuming Chicory or like spending a lot of time in Deathloop. And I'm like, I was there and I love those worlds so much because they gave me so many things to latch onto. And I think for me, since some of the coolest things in Far Cry are like some of the side stuff, I'm like, I feel like it's like when you have like a subpar dinner and like the sides are really good and like who doesn't like a good mac and cheese but I'm like I feel like the meat wasn't that well cooked like did anyone else have that sense and that's kind of been like my read on it yeah you bring up a really interesting point I think that uh you know we don't talk enough about when it comes to the Far Cry franchise and I've been playing since Far Cry 2 I I think the idea that they take this super serious tone with their main antagonist who's always like the star of Far Cry right their cover star quite literally and they marry it with this really fun open world gameplay that does tend to err on the goofy side at times and it's like are well which camp are they actually trying to be in are they trying to make a statement or are they not trying to make a statement they're trying to poke fun at everybody else trying to make a statement and I think we've seen, you know, criticism from the community about this with Ubisoft before, particularly with Far Cry 5 because of the really poignant notes it hit with the American audience in particular about, you know, is Ubisoft being too political? Are they not being political enough? You know, when are they actually going to make a statement? Are they trying to make a statement? And I think that you just remind everybody that no, they're not. They're not trying to make a statement. They're trying to be slightly controversial in order to get eyeballs and in order to make interesting characters and storylines. But they're not trying to make anybody's mind change when it comes to the real world and what's happening with politics, right? Like, I don't think anybody is going to shift their opinions of world events based on what they're playing in a Far Cry game. And I think that there's a discussion to be had of whether that's good or bad that, you know, we're not going to have right now. But I think it's interesting that, you know, people come back to the Far Cry franchise because it is so formulaic. Like so many of Ubisoft's franchises they are incredibly formulaic and comforting in their formulas right like I think about why I keep coming back to other Ubisoft titles like Assassin's Creed and how I've played that game for over a decade and I love it and I don't care that they haven't really innovated that much because that's not what I want I don't want them to innovate I want the same thing but just slightly better and I'm okay with that because <laughs> I really want that familiarity and I think that that Far Cry keeps hitting that note and it sounds like Far Cry 6 is not really deviating too much from that yeah that seems to be the case and it's it sort of I guess when you think of Ubisoft's portfolio in general it's kind of like par for the course where it's like okay 
you look at Watch Dogs, and that's also a series that is kind of samey and has had some really high highs and some games that are just kind of okay. Uh, at least if you ask people that, you know, have played all of them, usually when they name their favorites, they name the same kind of ones. Same with Far Cry. When people name their favorites, they often go to like some of those earlier entries. Um, I think the only time I've really, or at least again, heard of a bit of more differentiation, I think is Assassin's Creed, where they really get more creative with it. Part of that is probably the freedom that the story like the weird pseudo story they have set up gives them to sort of try yeah. a new thing each time like you call it a pseudo yeah story. it's like oh you're sort of like what is it called again the uh it starts with an a the like the, the animus? animus yes um it's like that's sort of a thing not really kind of whatever um, <laughs> almost like how zelda is where it's like it's always the same story generally with like ganon and sometimes it's ganon sometimes calamity ganon and it's all the same thing but they have the freedom to switch up so much and yet still have it the same have it the same DNA. And I think some of these other franchises like Watch Dogs, like Far Cry, there's when they make those shifts, they don't quite have the dynamics and the free range to do it in a way that's going to be different than I'm dropping out of a plane and I'm like shooting and there's like a crazy weapon. And like sometimes they add like things that sort of switch it up. But I feel like every change that Far Cry seems to make just from again, more like the outside looking in because it's my first Far Cry game. But it's one of those things where people will be like, oh, yeah, the wingsuit that was in that started in three. Right. And you kind of don't even remember. And I think that speaks to how the lack of differentiation that they all sort of do start to blur together. And there's not really like that distinctive shtick. Um, I think this one's probably biggest talking point, um, mechanically at least, is the lack of skill tree and having it more like weapons and gear based and sort of simplifying some of those elements. Um, but yeah, it's it's unclear what would take Far Cry, I think, to that next level, even with the formula it has. I don't think it even needs, necessarily needs to like suddenly make a really interesting statement or suddenly get really serious or suddenly get really simmy. Um, but the idea of like, where do we progress from here? I, I don't know that anyone has come up with really an answer for it, but there's just sort of like generally either a yay, more of the same or eh, more of the same kind of sentiment um, from people I've seen online. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're both like, yeah, no, you're, pre you're preaching the good moment. word. Yeah, you got it, girl. You said everything. Yeah, I like the alligator, though. Oh, the guapo. Guapo is yeah. the... He's very cute. He is one of my favorites as well. I'm, I I found that he... Every time I tried to get him to stay outside when I was trying to be sneaky, somehow he would always, like, engage with, like, the guards on on the he perimeter. found that, and too. I'm like, no, like, you're... I'm like you. I just need you to like, like be chill, Guapo. Like I'm trying to like do a sneaky thing, and then he's like desperately trying to find me as I'm like deep inside. He gets like stuck in around. the doors he's, like, and going stuff. Through, <laughs> yes, he's going through like these outer layers of all of the security details, and then he's like, "Oh, Guapo is down," and I'm like, uh, "My God, Guapo, you're like a hundred meters away. How am I supposed to get out there and save your?" Well, he's ass? still alive, like, though. So you can, you can just. I've just been letting him take these L's like left and right I'm like not like me and Guapo are not teammates me and Guapo are like Guapo goes out there and he does his thing and I'm doing my thing and if something he gets caught up while he does his thing he's gonna bounce back it's gonna be okay because objective is cleared when I'm safe what happens to Guapo I don't know you know I was I got in my car and I kept driving I also find it weird that he doesn't get in the car with you like that bothers me he doesn't like um, hop in and like buckle himself up and be like, yeah, right, well, at least like, I don't know, it, like animate spawn into the trunk. Like he's just kind of there. Like I don't, and like yeah. he just, what is he just, is he just running at like 50, 80 miles an hour down the street? 
<laughs> yes. It's one of those, you know, cinema magic moments of uh, video games. So like, you know, listen, like the animal friend is just going to magically teleport to wherever you fast travel to and just be okay with it, okay? This game isn't based on photorealism. Maybe you have a Pokeball <laughs> for Guapo and you just don't know it. You know yeah, I mean? it's like something like, well, I see him as I, <laughs> the thing is I see him as I drive away. Oh, and like wow. one time I even ran him over by accident. I felt so bad. And like, like someone was like, what, someone in my apartment was watching me like play this. And they're like, oh my God, are you going to go back for him? I'm like, nah, like he's just yeah. going to respawn later, you know? Um, uh, I feel so bad. I, I do too. Little stuff's really fun though. Um, like there's a horse you can get, I think through like main mission stuff. Um, like you can like park it at the little horse tie a stable i don't know i grew up in the city like the little the corral yes it's like a post it's like if you took your horse to a cvs and needed to park it and like tie it up like whatever that <laughs> thing is like that thing you can like the little yeah yeah those were in to, red dead redemption i, so I know what you're stable. talking about yeah i'm like if you played red dead or it's seen an animal you might know what i'm trying to explain um but there's one horse that's like i think its name is sunflower or something and it has like a sunflower like kind of etched into its butt and it's so beautiful and i'm just like little stuff like that can be fun or i I enjoy like the cosmetics in the in the game i've been dying to get that stupid alligator hat so i I really enjoy like simple silly details like that in games like this so that's been fun yeah i like guapo he's my soulmate because i i'm a face tanker my friend janet i love to just fuck being stealthy because i can't do it so i don't even try at this point i just go balls to the walls but yeah i feel so bad for guapo when i look and he was literally like in the middle of the road on his back all four like little of his little stubby little crocodile legs were up in the air i was like damn dude so i revived him and he just like slowly tipped over and then he was fine i was surprised that guapo was the first creep like pet you get like you get him automatically basically and then uh Trudiso, yeah. like you almost get automatically like you have to like feed him some like meat in a very tiny tiny side quest so he's almost automatic and the other ones seem like you have to try a little bit more based on my playthrough again 20 hours in maybe there's a i still have some main story missions so maybe there's a story mission where i get more but i was sort of surprised given the marketing like they favored Trudiso so heavily like i'm like i didn't even know who Wabo was until i like pulled up on the preview of that and i love him and i'm like and i know they sent out those little Trudiso plushes but i'm like where's the can you give me like a life-size one of Wapo in the in the Guapo. t-shirt yeah. yes because that's who like i had with me i'm like look Trudiso's cute blah 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 oh he can like distract people with his cuteness i'm like no no, no. i need i need someone who's gonna roll up on people and Trudiso doesn't have that like, literally you know? that alligator yeah. roll yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, Listen, we have a little bit more to talk about than just Far Cry, though. But I'm looking forward to spending some more time in the world. And thank you both for your thoughts on the game and the other things that Janet has been playing was what I talked about last week. I didn't talk specifically about the DLC, but... Life is Strange True Colors has brand new DLC out called Wavelengths. And have you finished it or are you just starting it? I have finished it. It's about two and a half hours or so. Um, And I adored it. I really recommend it. Again, I'm not a big DLC person, but I really liked the main game. So I'm like, okay, let me check out what this is. And when I I think there are some moments of monotony because some of it, it all takes place in the record store. You play as Steph. Uh, I'll do this with like no spoilers for people that want to go in still. Um, And some of it's even like in first person where you're controlling like the, you're at like the 
desk for the radio station and you're like taking calls and you're like playing songs. Um, and I think some of that can get a little monotonous because you are inherently doing the same task throughout those two and a half hours. And plus you have other tasks as well, but that's the radio station part of the gig. But what breaks it up for me is that like you and y'all, y'all will find this very relatable, but you have like little ad reads to do. But like the ad yeah. reads a little different each time and they add like some of their own flavoring to it. And, you know, Steph takes these calls from people and like the conversation, those conversations are really fun. So even though like in that segment of the game, I am still just like answering the phone or putting on music or doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, the the content and the writing surrounding those actions is varied enough that I don't mind that it's technically still the same task. Um, and they take you through a couple seasons and you kind of just get to know like Steph's life and it does connect a bit to, well, one to Life is Strange 1. So I recommend playing that or be okay with spoilers for that. It heavily leans into that game, which I was shocked by. They do tell you up front, like, did you play it? And yes or no, what'd you pick? for your ending and all that. But they they dive into a bit of that, so I think it's awesome for like longtime fans of the franchise. But they also sort of additionally color some of what you saw in the main game, but from a sort of different angle. Um, and you know, a non-spoilery one is like, you play some like foosball matches with Gabe, like in your you know mind. You're like, oh, I remember this game that we played yesterday and you like can play it in the game. So little stuff like that where having played the main game, it's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I relate to this, or I remember this coming up, or now I have more insight on like, you know, we see like some of, they mentioned the Thanor comics and st- little stuff like that, that feels really fun to like get those references having just came off the main game. Um, and then like, it just, I'm shocked. They, it's like a masterclass in writing, I feel like. Maybe I'm overhyping it, but two and a half hours and it feels like they had a complete little story and thought like they take you through like four seasons i'm like this is wild like this is stuff that like i feel like marvel's struggling with right now to make a story (laughs) that's short but still feels like it was a full idea and not too like the pacing is just beautiful in it so i definitely recommend if you enjoyed true colors uh and played life is strange one or okay like spoiling it and not playing it uh, i definitely recommend checking it out i think it's about 12 bucks to get the dlc and it's it is fantastic I'm really excited to to play. I've talked about Life is Strange a lot on What's Good Games over the years. We've partnered with Square Enix and both Deck Nine and Don't Nod on Life is Strange events. And I think that Deck Nine is really kind of coming into their own as a narrative studio. I mean, they've created proprietary narrative game building tools and they've used them in the Life is Strange games that they've made. And so I... Really enjoyed my time with True Colors. It wasn't my favorite of all of the Life is Stranges, but I think it was the most beautiful. <laughs> What's your them. favorite? Um, I uh, probably. Re- the I storm. had a feeling you were gonna say okay. That's my least favorite. That's so funny. Oh, yeah? yeah, I hated it. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, like the original is so good. I, I think it's a, a testament to like why that community got so strong. I remember vividly when that game first came out and like nobody was talking Mm -hmm. about it. Nobody was doing anything with it. And it just like slowly built this massive cult following and became this huge game. And obviously Square Enix decided to invest in the franchise and, and make so many more of them. And I didn't actually play life is strange until like a year or two after it originally came out because i think at the time i was just much more involved in like bigger triple a games to be frank and i was like i don't even know understand what this game is is it a walking sim what is this game and i wasn't really invested in the narrative and then when i actually sat down and played the whole thing it was like oh my gosh why did i sleep on this game (laughs) 
so good. And I think that's what's awesome about the franchise overall is that it's so approachable for people that it's a game that anybody can play when it comes to gameplay skill. And there's not a lot of games that really deliver on narrative but also are approachable. And I remember playing before the storm and I had relatives in town and I sat down and played a, uh, like an episode while they were watching and they could follow along because it's not like it's a game that's impossible for anybody watching to keep pace with. And I think that's a really big bonus to the style of gameplay that they chose to put forward in that franchise. So I'm excited to play the DLC. Hmm. Yeah. I'm excited to play in general. And that's all I <laughs> that's, have to say yeah, about that. I, I got nothing else. I just got to finish Judgment. I got to finish Diablo 2. I got to I got to finish Far Cry. <laughs> I like how you say I got to finish Diablo 2. Like that's a realistic statement to make. None of this shit's realistic. <laughs> I got a four and a half month to hold me. Fucking kidding me? Goddamn. <gasps> Too many oh, games. No, it's true. Like, uh, no. Yeah. Speaking of, of mini games, um, it was on my list, but I saw that it was in your blog post back in July from games that you've liked so far this year. Mini Motorway yeah. is a game that I downloaded on my phone because I was talking about how I've been needing and wanting more phone games because I spend a lot of time in a chair in a dark room holding a small child and I need something to play. And... While this game isn't a game I can play with a single finger, which is really what I'm looking for, there's not a lot of those, unfortunately. It isn't the problem that I had with the game I talked about last week. So last week on the show, I talked about Home Flipper because I really want to get into a home decorating show, which is obviously why I spent so many hours in Animal Crossing. That all makes sense now. Decorating. Um but I decided to check this out because it was one of the games that was in the indie arena booth back at Gamescom and I really wanted to play it and I heard that this game was great and obviously the first game that the studio made was really good and I started playing and I, I, I'm interested to, to play more. I'm only about an hour or two in and I think it's going to be relaxing once I figure out the mechanics but... I've really just been struggling with actually putting the motorway down and figuring out how the motorway mechanic works. And I feel like I keep messing it up and I keep accidentally deleting. So for people who are like, what the heck is this game anyway? It's a really relaxing game where you have houses and then you have to connect them to other buildings using like a, like a drawing mechanic to draw roads. So you essentially connect houses to roads and then you have these little cars they can then drive back and forth from, you know, what might be like their work or shopping and then back to their house again. And like it becomes an increasingly more difficult puzzle game as you go along and you can add things like traffic lights and roundabouts mm -hmm. and bridges to cross, you know, bodies of water. And then you can obviously add motorways, which are essentially like highways Figuring out like where to put the highway is really, to me, the most challenging part of the puzzle. And I like that there's multiple ways to solve it. You can kind of figure out how you want to draw the roads on your own. You only get a certain amount of tiles of road. So you can't draw unlimited roads on a grid system. And you have to essentially go, okay, oh, I need to figure out where I can maximize my road tiles, but also minimize traffic congestion. It's kind of like a test in urban engineering. <laughs> and it's 
it was really interesting. And I think it's a game that I'm going to enjoy spending some time in. Yeah, I failed that I test in urban yeah. engineering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I too struggle <laughs> with that game. Like, I had a lot of fun playing. Um, I think, too, there's mini motorways and there's mini metro. And I think they're, I forget exactly what the relationship is, but I think metro yeah. was. Mini Metro was yeah, the first one. Yeah, and it was one. that yeah. one was on Apple Arcade, I think, or maybe still is. And I think that was like what the one I first checked out. And I'm like, I'll just sense it. But you, you really do have to be a little more thoughtful than that. But that's sort of my starting point. Yeah. But I like that, you know, speak. you were mentioning like the ease of life is strange. Like, I feel like that series is similar where even if I am failing, I can still have some fun putting down the tiles because I, I have a general idea of what I need to know, what I need to do. I need to like limit... Con- like lower congestion and get people where they need to go and like build up the town. So like that stuff is is known and clear and you're just kind of dragging and dropping. So I think that really does make it easy to have a good time with it, even if your success is um, limited. <laughs> nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a nice that is a nice way of putting it. I just like was trying to f- find some more games to play on my phone and. Um, I did download Lego Star Wars Battles because I've heard a lot of people talking about this and it's not just because my husband works at Disney and is very excited about this game and is playing a lot of this game, but I love the Lego games and this kind of spoke to me as like a game that I could maybe get into on my phone. So hopefully I'll be able to put some time in with that and tell you guys about it more at a future date, but um, I've just been quite honestly watching a lot of Did TV you um, Did you already easier. play Grindstone? Oh my god, no. you need to play Grindstone. I think it's only available okay. like on mobile via Apple Arcade. So if you don't already do you have Apple Arcade by any chance? I don't know if you already have it. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Great. You already have it. Like yes. it is mm-hmm. it was like one of my favorite games of I think that came out, I wanna say two years ago. I think it was Grindstone. it was the year of Luigi's Mansion. Like that's all I remember oh. the year, the the Death Stranding year. <laughs> that's that your was, marker. Yes. I think that was twenty nineteen. Um it's fantastic. It is essentially like a I guess like a matching game is how you'd call it, like a hack and slash matching game. But it, you can play with one finger, like one like one hand, um, and you're just lining up and sort of taking out these areas. And like you have like your end goal, and it's like one screen, one board, <laughs> and it's like the uh, the art is also like really charming um, that you've like pulled up from the trailer. And like the I think the sound the sound design is also really good with like the slashing effect and all that. But it is so addictive and lovely, and just. It is like maybe one of the best of that genre where you're kind of constantly creating these chains of enemies and then you take them all out. It's so satisfying to watch it slash through and you pick up like, you know, extra items from that. And then different enemies might have different properties where you're like matching them via color to like take these enemies down. But like maybe you hit like a certain um, like they have these little gems where it's like, oh, you can now go to any color from like so you can line up a bunch of reds and maybe change the color. And now you can line up a bunch of yellows and you're sort of trying to get everything clear that you can and like I think your goal on every board it's been a while since I played is to like just exit through the door so you can kind of decide on how much stuff you want to go for because at some point there might be like treasure chests that you can get and then there's like boss battles you do that are using that same mechanic and they like you know as the levels increase they might add a different like little gimmick so the one that just got shown the trailer was like um the floor maybe comes like falls out every few turns and then new enemies cycle through like it is just such a good game I don't think I can think of one person let me know if you're that person on Twitter who played it and was like, nah, I didn't like it. It's so lovely and, and mm. wonderful. It looks adorable. And we're showing the Nintendo Switch trailer, but I have never That's heard of wild. This game. Like, I'm super People have done now. you wrong if they have not told you about this game. It is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the folks 
over at Cappy. Like at first I was like, is this like a match three spinoff? But it doesn't look like that at all. I mean, I think like the, 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 the gameplay at first, like, oh, this is, looks like the setup that a match three would have. And I, don't get me wrong. I love me match threes. I spent way too many hours in Candy Crush. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm down and Puzzles and Dragons because th- that game is great too. But um, yeah, no, I'll yeah, check it out. Please let me know what I'll, you think. I'll, I'll I think you'll, I, maybe you'll be the first person who's like, nah, this isn't good. This, is, <laughs> this game sucks. <laughs> Jan- Janet did yes. me dirty. She gave me this but game willing, recommendation. This I'm willing to put it all on the line with this one. Like Ooh. there are those games where you're like, oh, I'm going to recommend it. But like, I can kind of maybe see someone not jabbing with it. I feel really confident on this. Hopefully, this is not one of those this age poorly moments, but I feel good about this. Well, we'll clip this <laughs> and we'll, we'll do an update here in a little bit. Sure. We'll see how this song ends. It is, in, de- in fact, still part of Apple Arcade. So I'm downloading it right now and uh, I will let you know. We'll have a follow-up conversation about Grindstone. It'll be great. And I think that's going to do it for our hands-on segment. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to take your questions for Janet and learn all about what she's up to. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And we've got our special guest, Janet Garcia, here to take your questions. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this segment is brought to you by Felix Gray. Have you tried the blue light glasses that started it all? Five years ago, Felix Gray realized that people needed help. They needed to be saved from blue light. So they set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. And since then, Felix Gray has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more of the most important blue light that affects all aspects of your life. You've heard us talk about Felix Gray on the show before. Blue light can interfere with your sleep. It can interfere with your attentiveness. It can cause headaches and muscle fatigue and all kinds of bad stuff. Blue light is just everywhere too. It can come from your Kindle, from your smartphone, and of course from your screens that you sit in front of all day long. Now, whether you're heading back to the office, back to school, or back to whatever you're up to, you can count on Felix Gray. If you visit felixgrayglasses.com games, you can check out their collection of fashionable frames for every face. I'm currently wearing the Roebling in clear. And I have to be honest with you guys, I never thought I'd want to wear my glasses as much as I've been wearing my Felix Grays, but they truly just help me that much. Steimer talked about all the time how she was a big fan of Felix Gray even before they were a sponsor on the show. So if you want to get in on this blue light blocking action in both non-prescription and prescription, might I add, you can check them out now at felixgrayglasses.com slash games. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash games for free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash games so they know that What's Good Games sent you. Janet, our community was very excited, as we mentioned, that you were going to be on the show. So we've got some questions. Brittany, what is the first the question? The first question comes from Jose Perez, who wants to know, Janet, what motivated you into getting into your career? Yeah, I think I 
was first interested just from like a hobby standpoint, like my route into this industry came from like, oh, this seems like it could be a fun thing to do. Like I did grow up playing games. I've been playing games since I was five. I've always loved writing. I'd been writing for fun since I was like in seventh grade. So those two things have been like under like like running underneath everything at all times. Uh, and I grew up reading like gaming magazines. For some reason, these things never connected <laughs> until I was much older. Um, I don't know why I never thought like, hey, the person who wrote this probably got paid to do it. Maybe that could be a cool thing. But I sort of <laughs> fell off of games a little bit um, partway through high school, partway through college, where I still did play some games, but I wasn't like keeping up with everything. Like maybe like I missed like, like, some consoles here and there. Like I fell off during like the Wii era and all that um, in part. So I was like, you know, I think writing about games might be a fun way to sort of look at this hobby from a different angle. Get me back into it again. So I literally just Googled like video game journalism jobs and the site game journalism <laughs> jobs came up and then I like picked a random site. And when I started, it was like a random unpaid place, which I talk a lot about unpaid work and my feelings on that and, and walking people through that on like my my site gameindustryguides.com. But I was cool doing it because I literally was doing it for fun, like straight up. I had no intention of this being a career. I was studying um, English education at the time. I'm like, I'm going to go and be a teacher. But this seems like a fun thing to do. And I started like writing mobile game reviews. Um, someone asked like, oh, what's the first like code you got for work for like content? And I'm like, oh, I got it right here. And it's Dashy Panda, which is a mobile game <laughs> game where you're like tapping and the panda's eating like rice Amazing. and there's like spikes sometimes. And that was my first game review. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then after that, it sort of snowballed where I got more and more into it. I started writing for another outlet. Again, this is also a volunteer basis at this point. And then at some then I made a YouTube channel uh, with my friend Jess. It was called Bit by Bit. We had like a podcast for that. And I got like more and more into it. And then I started to think like, what if this was just my job? But at that time, I was kind of graduating college. I'm like, let me try the teaching thing first because I spent all this time getting a degree for that. And then partway through that, I like really knew I'm like, no, the number one thing I want to do is blow up this game stuff. This is my goal. And eventually I put everything into that. I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to spend all my time doing this. And if it works out, it doesn't. It works out. It works out. And if it doesn't, I guess I just didn't really have the sauce to get there, which is kind of scary to find out. I'm like, maybe I don't want to know the answer to that. Um, but good news. The answer was I'm still here. So that's basically my, my route into the industry. Wow, it's kind of remarkable how you and I have such similar <laughs> beginnings. Like, it, it's wild. Like, you know, same thing. I was working at a job that I thought I wanted to be at, and I love video games, and I also loved writing. And I was like, huh, I wonder if I can turn this into something. And I quit my job to try to pursue video games. So it's just, I have so much respect for what you do. And we talked about this a little bit at the top of the show that, uh, I knew that you did stuff for kind of funny, and I knew you had your own website because we've talked about it on Twitter a few times. But then I was checking out your, you know, your personal website, not the one you write about video games on, but your portfolio website. And I was like, "Girl, you're you work at your head to pen to pixels. You're on MinMax. You're on kind of funny. You have a Patreon. You have a, a weekly YouTube show. You have your game industry guys website. Do you is there something like that draws you the most that you're most excited about doing, or do you love all of your children equally?" Yeah, um, I think there's always a well, you, you guys actually have kids, so maybe this isn't true. But I feel like there is always, at least in that question, uh, a thing that slightly favors everything. I think what I love more than anything is doing the whole gambit of the formal review, like writing it, getting the video out there. Like, I think my passion, my number one passion does still lie in writing, but podcasting is really close. I really enjoy just 
getting to get my thoughts out there and and I feel like so much of my criticism gets developed by having like conversations like the ones we've had today of just talking to other people and seeing their perspective and sort of having it inform my own so those are probably my top ones Um, but I do have a passion for basically everything I do and I try to have it all feed into each other so that it's like I get the most out of the work I already am doing and kind of just look at it from different angles and different different pieces of content. I love thinking back to like early reviews. I think the first review I ever did was Super Mario Galaxy. And I no dashy panda. <laughs> capture <laughs> yeah, no dashy panda. And like this was not a to be clear, this was not like a I got a game code from Nintendo. This was I, I bought the game and I made my own review and put it up on my YouTube channel, which I have since privated a long time ago. And in order to get B-roll for my review, I had to take my digital camera and just record (laughs) my television screen (laughs) because I didn't have a game capture device because like that didn't exist for a very long time. And the only way you could capture gameplay footage was if you had a developer kit and the only way to get a developer kit console was to be at one of the major video game review sites or magazines is like you either were at you know game informer or like a really big website or you were at one of the tv channels and then the publishers would send you a dev kit isn't it wild to think the days of needing a dev kit to have access to reviews is just gone and that was such a huge barrier to entry at the beginning of my career i i i I think I forget yeah. like how hard I worked to get my very first dev kit. Did you ever have to go through that process? No, um, I feel like, you know, access has always been, it's kind of ran the gambit where it's like, sometimes I worked at outlets that were able to get access. Sometimes I worked at outlets too small to get access. Sometimes I did what you said, where it's like, I'm just making the content from, I bought this game and I'm going to, you're going to hear about it for me a lot because I spent X amount of dollars on it and I'm making like negative $30 a day <laughs> trying to build this career. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember yes. even, even not that long ago too, which is kind of wild. Like I remember for Spider-Man on PS4, I got that from Redbox. I dropped like seven bucks and I'm like, I'm going to beat this before I need to return it. So because this is the cheapest and most efficient way to actually stay relevant without dropping $60 when I'm working a job that pays me like almost nothing per day, like $5 a day or something, uh, which y'all don't take jobs like that. They're not, they're like, it does not work out. But um, yeah, like it, I think I really do get a lot of inspiration from how fortunate we are to be in the era we are. There are plenty of problems in the industry, I think, for building a career and, and hurdles that we need to work past. And it is very clicky and it is very much about leveraging social media. And some elements of that suck and some elements of that, I think, kind of will never go away. But the fact that you can just there's so many ways to get your content out there, I think is really inspiring. And I really encourage people to just go do it. Um, You know, you mentioned just recording off your phone. Like, yeah, I mean, if even in the modern era with all the tools we have, we have a lot of tools, but maybe you don't have access to them. Maybe you don't have an actual like full gaming PC set up. Maybe you don't have these or you don't know how to do it. It's like, just go out there and make the content and you'll, it'll be better than not having made anything. I mean, I find myself on TikTok a lot and there's the gaming content on TikTok is very chaotic. Like Streamlabs OBS, you can now stream to TikTok. TikTok, but I don't see anyone doing that. What I see on my feed when I'm scrolling through people's lives is literally someone with their phone on a DS playing the mini games in Mario 64. And I'm like, what is like, it's so janky looking, but it's so fun. People are loving it. They got a bunch of interactions. So like, just pump out your content however you can, however you want to. Like, 
it'll it'll always look worse when you look back on it because you're always getting better and yeah maybe it will get to the point where you're like i'm gonna privatize this because i've made other stuff at this point but (laughs) to get to the good stuff you have to go through being kind of whack for a little bit and that's okay everyone everyone has that speaking of lessons i love that I love that. You gotta, you gotta, gotta be wacky. No, like, I, I've done the same thing. Again, I've looked at some of the first blog posts I've ever written, which was in 2009. Oh, boy. Makes me cringe. Makes my butt clench because it's so awful. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. And Hardle, yep. there's three L's there, so I'm trying to pronounce them. Hardle Find wants to know, how has flying solo helped you in your career up until this point? Yeah, well, it's kind of a two-tiered question because I had my solo time like pre-IGN, which is partially solo because I still was writing for outlets, but I was kind of, you know, independent freelancer. And then now I have it post. Um, It's helped a lot just in that I'm kind of shocked at how much it's grown in the past year. Just being like out there, it kind of reminds me in a weird way of like being single where it's like, oh, actually people want me. And I just didn't know because I was in this relationship. Like I was shocked when I was like, hey, I'm just kind of out here and who knows, man? And so many people like DM'd me immediately like, oh, can we get you on this? Like, you know, can you come out on this podcast? Are you interested in this like job posting? Like, are you? And I was sort of like overwhelmed by how much support and excitement was around that. And then just getting to do more of what I specifically want. Like I can do whatever I want. I have, you can argue I have multiple bosses because I, you know, I work at Kind of Funny. I work at MinMax. Um, but you can also argue I have none. And like, that's really interesting and really fun. And like, there's been so much like encouragement from the people that lead those companies like you know greg miller among plenty of other people are kind of funny um ben hansen like everyone's like we love your work and we want you on content and we want you to get to lead stuff and there's just like so it's like nothing but good energy and it's kind of crazy and i've just gotten to do so much more of what i want to do like i can do whatever reviews i want i can do whatever previews i want i can stream today I cannot stream today I could write an article I can I don't have to there's no there's no pitching there's no filter I mean that also comes with like more work because it's like to make a review I'm like and now to the video team it's just me and another monitor right it's like yeah. uh, it's like this is this is rough but like there's just complete freedom and I've done more podcasts this year than by far any other year I think all the years I've been in this industry combined which haven't been that that many but I've done more podcasting like I am recording like probably and as low as three shows as high as like four or five shows a week it's like I have more podcasts than I can think of to do with I stream all the time like I'm just I can just do whatever I want and I can also just be free to explore stuff too I really liked you know I did my first like sponsored stream the other day on my twitch channel and like I've now really embraced that my career is going to be a little bit more chaotic than maybe some people's would be, but I want to be able to be open to whatever I'm in the mood for that time or that year. Like maybe I end up going to an outlet. Maybe I end up going to just somewhere I can't even imagine. Like I want to just go where my passion takes me and not worry about like being somewhere for X amount of time or doing X thing for an X amount of time because it's such like a weirdly casual industry too. Like people just care about you having good skills and like knowing how to do stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to try everything I can. Um, and it's been, it's been really cool getting to, getting to do that at the degree that I do it. I'm so happy listening mm. to you talk. I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, cause I think we all have had that kind of that spark within a story and that's why we do what we do. Like this, it's hard to have a stable, stable ass fucking career in this industry unless, you know, you work at an outlet where you get paid your salary and you have your paid leave or whatever. But when you do content creation, like all three of us do, like it can be hectic as hell and chaotic as hell, but damn, it can be fun and rewarding. 
And I think to get into that, you really have to have a want and a desire. And, you know, it's going to be tough sometimes, but you just keep your head down and you keep working towards it. You keep trying your hands in different skills and see what's what you're good at naturally, what you how you can promote yourself. And just hearing you like talk about everything you're doing, it's just like it's kind of firing me up a little bit. And I will just like gusto. I'm like, I'm going to fucking get off this. I'm going to record four videos. I'm going to do a pot. And then I'm like, oh, no. I have a four and a half month waiting for me after this. So I'm living, <laughs> I'm living my dreams <laughs> through you. <laughs> the fact that you can do that and have your career too. I mean, I think that's such a hard skill to get down as well because like one reason a lot of people don't continue in this field is like it can be really gru- grueling and people can burn out and it can be a lot on your mental health and like being on all, not all the time, but like being on in the degree that we're all on, whether it's like right now or like on social media where it's like you're constantly you're it almost becomes second nature when you make enough content like I don't have to come up with like a Twitter strategy I have my thoughts go straight to tweets and that converts to like followers and that converts to other things and it's like this big funnel Um, but that's also a lot so I you know I think being able to do manage the personal life and also do the career is is in fact like way more inspiring to me and like to see y'all be here as women in the industry who are like growing your family who are still like I'm out here in the career and I'm doing it is so inspiring because there are one so few women really super visible in the industry and then let alone like the you know those who have actually like became parents um you don't really get that a lot and to have y'all be like there are so many people that consume your content myself included that see that as such like an astronomical inspiration that it's like oh this i can do that i can you know to a degree have it all because this industry it's like it's so funneled down where it's like so few women, so few parents, let alone parents that are women, like to be able to see y'all doing it at scale is just like, okay, I feel like this this is possible. Aww. Thank you. Oh, that's that really is. kind of you to say. Meanwhile, Brittany and I are like slowly cracking and breaking inside. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, it's something that women in all walks of careers struggle with, like the idea of being a mom and being a parent. And I think Brittany and I are cognizant that a lot of our audience who listens to What's Good Games isn't here for parenting content. Like that's not what the show is about, but it now is an inescapable part of our identity that will forever color the content that we make and forever have an impact on the way that we run our business at the end of the day. And I think that, you know, a lot of women in particular struggle with that. There's nothing wrong with the many men who've come forward since Brittany and I have given birth to show their support as parents to be like, I'm there with you. I know what it feels like. And Brittany Brittany and I are like, yeah, you sort of know what it feels (laughs) like. What... I mean, kind of do, but kind of don't. It's uh, it's a whole other struggle being, you know, the woman who actually gives birth to the baby and has to go back to work and all the things that come along with breastfeeding and, and caring for your child while you're working. And now I have that struggle and I tell John every day that I'm like, I I waffle between do I give myself grace knowing that this is hard? Or do I go, yo, millions of other women do this all the fucking time. Like, like you you can do this too. Lots of women go back to work and, and, and are able to manage their career and having a baby. But it's tough. I think like the video game audience in particular is way more demanding than a lot of other audiences are along verticals. I used to work at a company called Clever um, back in the Alloy Digital and Define Media days and... I would always lament to my co-hosts who worked at Clever Movies and Clever Music and Clever TV 
about how jealous I was of their communities because their communities were so much nicer than my community at Clever Games, who was just so brutal to me all the time. And I don't know what it is about video game culture that just is on hard mode all the time. And it's yeah. frustrating. I hope I it I, I hope it becomes into. less that. And I think that's what's nice about like, you know, we both have Patreons and like having those little pockets on the internet at least where it feels like there are people out there that like just want to be supportive and aren't going to like have a really intense reactionary like, you know, backlash to any given thing um, is sort of like shocking in a way for me. Like I haven't gone back on Patreon like I was there before IGN, then I came on after. But like everyone's just like I, I remember literally in my discord, like I have a Patreon like like a uh, role in my discord that I use like pretty infrequently. And I'm like, I hope people aren't mad that I don't use it more. But I was asking about like, oh, I have this idea for maybe doing like a newsletter type structure. Like, would you want like A, B, like secret option number three? Like, what are y'all thinking? And one person was literally just like, um, you know, I want to, I want basically like, I want to make sure that you're not like taking on too much and like, you know, whatever you're willing to do is, is fine. Like, just make sure it's, it's sustainable for you. And like, we, it was like, just so nice. Like, I don't think people realize how, Healthy. yes, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for, for that. And I have to constantly remind myself of that too. When I, there's so much temptation to just like do the content no matter what. And in this guilt of like, oh, I'm, I'm too inconsistent or like, look at how many things yeah. I've skipped. But like, I have to re remind myself, like, if someone's going to fall off my content because I miss like one or two streams, then this is not the community member for me. And I need to be OK with that. But it's so hard to like have that and see like numbers go up and down that are like tied to your livelihood. Like it can be it can be very intense. So uh, it is nice to have those pockets of of understanding. Andrea, I'm like, oh, yeah, yes, God, we feel that on a spiritual level. You have no idea. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole thing. And we could talk about this, I think, till the, till the cows come home about, especially now, you know, that Andrea and I are moms. And it's, it's, a, and this is, this interview is not about us, but like, I relate to what you're saying. No, I'm, I'm interested. Relate to this as well as, you know, I've had a lot of long conversations with my husband. And I've been like, yo, like, I'm on the struggle bus here because, you know, when you've been doing content creation for uh, 10, 12 years before you have a baby, you know, you're kind of, it's hardwired into you. Like, okay, what's the temperature on Twitter today? And because, you know, Twitter's, the community is very small and usually if there's any breaking stories or something has leaked or whatever, like that's kind of where you can go to get not always accurate, but some information. Or, you know, like my, your presence on social media, you know, I've gotten so many gigs because of it. And so you feel compelled to continually post on there is what I'm posting engaging enough, but I don't have the mental forwarded to do that when was the last time I made a post in our Facebook page group when was the last time I made a video when was the last time I posted something to the Facebook group when was the last time I responded to comments and you know like Andrea was saying you almost have to give yourself grace I think mother or content creator it doesn't matter of the shit is hard and this is all content creation is a very 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 new platform um and a new career and i think there's just so many uncharted roads in, in such uncharted territory that we don't know how to be kind to ourselves when it comes to it because we always feel this need to create more and do more and it's not like a typical career i feel like where you know you have your eight to five you go to the office you come back you clock out you're done like for the most part you leave your career at the job but when you're home and you do content creation for a living you can't really shut your brain off because it's just a part of you and it's hard to do that and i think that's why sometimes we struggle right it's like how do I shut my brain off how much of myself do I give to content creation because you do have to be on when you're doing that right it's not like you can just like mostly chill 
because I, I mean, I, I love doing shows and I love doing events, but I'm also, I guess, ask, ask Andrea, like, I'm a very, like, chill, like, quiet, relatively quiet person. I don't, you know, I'm not, like, always like, blah! And so it's, like, you know, kind of, like, managing that. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. And I'm happy that all of us are doing our best right now because I think it's important that we as women are paving these roads for future generations and normalizing, you know, what does it look like to be a woman in this industry or a person of color or being a mother or a parent in this industry. And I think the one thing I get the most joy and pride out of doing this is that I hope someone tomorrow will have an easier time getting into it. I hope some someone tomorrow will see someone that looks different than they do and not be so surprised by it and won't drop a, oh, do you actually play games comment? So anyway, I'm just giving us all props right now because I think we're all doing very good work. Yeah, girl. Yeah, girl, I'm feeling the yeah. props. I think it's great. I think everything you said is is wonderful. And uh, it just feels good to get somebody who it does. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is, so, it. It is honestly so nice. And I, that's why I feel like I end up in these conversations a lot on podcasts, even when like, like one person will like write in with a question and then we're like, okay, we've all been trying to get this off our chest at some point because <laughs> it's so specific and like you really don't understand it unless you're in it. And like sometimes it's nice though to have an outside perspective, like to have my boyfriend who doesn't really do games content, like he does stream on Twitch now. So I feel like he's, you know, th that's a form of content, um, like his, you know, development yeah. and all that. But like, it's just trippy when it's at scale and I do feel like there is something kind of like unnatural about it like I think any level of fame I don't think humans are like well equipped to dip into that gear so it comes with a lot of awesome stuff and I'm very grateful for my career and I, I love like connecting with audiences you know a million caveats over but then there's also like this other end of the spectrum of of stress and pressure and like that one comment that normally doesn't bother you but today it really bothered you and you're like oh you know and you're and especially like again being uh, a marginalized creator in the industry, like a woman of color, like, and all of that stuff. It's like, that has its own angles of a mess underneath that you're like, I kind of just gotta deal with it, but also I get tired of dealing with it sometimes. So sometimes you just need to vent. And I think having, just being able to talk to other creators who have had so many of those experiences, even though the conclusion is just like, yeah. And it's like, we all have the same thought, but it, it, there is something so cathartic in that. And that's kind of why I made like, you know, gameindustryguides.com. Like I spent so much time Googling things when I first started, like, how do you get a job in the industry? And I watched probably every video and dated blog post I could find. But so many of those, again, it gets dated quick because tech moves fast. So like the story of how your boss got into this industry where it's like my friend in college was like, what if I made a video game magazine and then he made me editor in chief? Like there are a lot of stories legitimately like that. And like no shade to if you fell into this career in that way. But that doesn't really help like the, you know, person who has 75 followers on Twitter and they're struggling to like make figure out what they're doing and, and is should I take this gig because I'm small, but also I'm like, I don't want to undervalue myself, but also I'd like to make some money and like all these things are like Patreon didn't exist until like not that many years ago. Like so many like mm -hmm. I think about all the time the number one way I make my income, which even if you look at kind of funny and, and min max, that's still Patreon and Twitch, those platforms didn't exist when I was bored. And now that is my career. Like, that's right. wild. Um, so I, I try to make game industry guides where I can field people's questions and at least point people in a direction, have like a hub for things. Um, uh, Diego, who runs Into the Spine, has a similar like freelancer guide um, on his, his website, which I think is so helpful because so much of stuff is like, you just gotta know. And I'm like, yeah, but how can you know? And how can we make it easier right. for people to get that information on how to navigate this field? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that uncharted territory, exactly. man. It's brutal out there. 
Uh, man, we could just keep talking to you all night. Really? And I think we definitely have to get you back on the show. But just as like a quick question to kind of wrap up the show tonight, Devin Nitz asks, I know that Janet plays a lot of indie games. What are your all-time favorites or just favorites from this year? So I would say maybe pick one all-time favorite and then one favorite from this year just to like not make it too much of an umbrella question. All-time favorite. Okay, I'll start with this year because that's the easier one. I'm going to say favorite from this year is Chicory. Um, That was my game of the year for as long until Deathloop came out. Sorry, Chicory. (laughs) Deathloop. Chop that dog in the back of the head. It's so sad to me. And then True Colors kind of came in too. Oh wow, yeah, that's it really graphic. is. Um, <laughs> I guess maybe Life is. <laughs> would you still count Life is Strange as an indie game? It's like a small team, but underneath some. Okay, no. then definitely Chicory. I would say for this year, for all time favorite. That's such a hard question, um, especially because I don't normally think of them as like so separated, like the indie category. Um, oh God, all time favorite. Jeez. The first thing that comes to mind. You don't have to pick okay. your one all-time favorite. Just a uh, one just that I all-time favorite. Harp on a lot um, is a short hike, which I didn't play until I think this oh. year, and it's very like ex- you know, it's like exploration. There's like a lot of fun surprises in it, and I just think it's a really cleverly and brilliantly designed game. So um, a short hike. I feel like not enough people played it. I think it did recently just come to. At least some consoles. I know it came to PlayStation. I'm not sure if it's in other places as well. But if you like exploration, adventure, and cute art, that is a game that you will adore. And it's a fairly short play. I think it's maybe like two hours. Um, but it's definitely one of my favorites of the last few years. Same. I will second that one. I played it on Switch last year, I believe. Yes, it and is on yeah. Switch, yes. Janet speaks the truth. It's really cute. Really wholesome. Yeah. Nice. Well, Jen, it has been so lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for all of your insights. And I think that people will love your content. So where can people follow you? Where can they find all the uh, stuff? You can follow me on? across all social media platforms under the handle Game Onesis. That's Game O-N-Y-S-U-S. Um, and I do, you know, my own content on Pendapixels and GameIndustryGuides.com. I do stuff with Kind of Funny. I do stuff with MinMax. I have my own podcast called uh, Game Onesis Weekly, where I do a quick hit roundup of the news so usually those episodes are about 30 minutes or less and it's kind of a quick catch-all uh, of the biggest stories um but yeah i'm i'm doing a little bit of everything i'm trying to be everywhere uh but when in doubt i would recommend twitter as a good hub or even just my site game industry uh not game industry guides uh gameonesis.com just kind of like a working portfolio site that is constantly just a smidge out of date <laughs> you know how that is um but yeah that is yeah. where you can keep up with all of my work It's a lot. Don't worry, guys. We'll put links in the show notes. So if you're interested in following Janet on all of the things she does, you can just check that out. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. We hope you guys enjoyed. Let us know what you think about everything that we're working on, including the games that not only Janet recommended, but what we've been playing as well by connecting with us on social media. We have a What's Good Games fan page on Facebook, What's Good underscore games on Twitter. And of course, if you haven't visited our What's Good Games Discord, you're missing out. Come on in. The water's fine, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye.